Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 313 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode I chat to Trevor Lay of Lucky Mountain Games and Tom Turner of Sumo Digital about their arcade racing game Hotshot Racing. This is an excellent game. It brings back memories of arcade racers from the late 1980s, early 1990s, especially on the Amiga and PC and ST and that kind of stuff. But it brings it all up to date. It brings it to the current design model for video games if you like it's a bit clinical but that's what we're about a little bit in this show sausage factory being a bit clinical sometimes but it can also have a bit of fun as we do with this particular episode of the sausage factory so without further ado let us listen to me from the past talk to trevor and tom chris take it away trevor and tom who are you and what do you do so my name is Trevor Lay. I'm the creative director at Lucky Mountain Games um, and the creator behind uh, the idea for Hotshot Racing, which was known as Race Apex. Uh, and my name's Tom Turner. I'm the studio production director at Sumo Nottingham and basically in charge of all uh, production teams and uh, processes and delivery in the studio. Nice. Oh, that's, that, that's quite a job. Milestones. Lots of, lots of milestones. <laughs> and, I mean, you, you think... Oh, it's lots just, of spreadsheets. Well, I was going to say the word Gantt chart, but I suspect you'd have reached through the internet and tried to strangle me if I said that. But, uh, yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> There's much more to it than that. I get that. Anyway, so this is to you both, Trevor and Tom. Um, how did you make your start? So, Trevor, do you want, do you want to start with that? Um, so... Starting the industry mm. um, was back in the PS2 days, um, working for EA. That was the first major studio that I worked for as a full-time job on the um, Harry Potter games and the Burnout franchises. Then went to um, went to Sony London after that to work on a game called Eight Days, which was a PS2 title that then shifted to a ps3 launch title but then that got canned 
um, then moved to Rockstar London to work on Midnight Club Games and Max Payne. I think it's Max Payne 3, the one of the last Max Paynes. And then after Rockstar London, then I left to go freelance and go into developer and then started doing freelance for various companies and then had the idea for Race and Apex. Wanted to bring back a... Because I used to, when, when I was in school, I used to skip off to go to London to Trocadero to go and play um, virtual racing in the arcades. Yeah, so I wanted to, yeah. I wanted to make a, um, a retro style game, but using the knowledge from the Burnout games and the Midnight Club games that I worked on. Nice. Because um, at this kind of time of recording, this coming Sunday, I'm, I'm streaming a bunch of uh, Mega CD and 32X games uh, from my said console. Okay. And uh, it's yeah, it's still working. I don't. Uh, it's for charity. Yeah. It's, it's cha- and uh, yeah, virtual racing on the thirty-two X. Big thumbs up. That game is awesome. Uh, it's, it's it's some of it is it's a bit you know twitchy on the old controls, but still a still a solid experience. And uh, I can really relate yeah. to the you know jumping off and, and going down to uh, central London to play some crazy arcade games. I remember playing R Type and Outrun as well. But yeah. Um, was the um, 32X one the one that had a special Sega chip yeah. that made it quite expensive back in the day, wasn't it? It was That's like right. Sega's version of Super FX chip, I think it was. Yeah, so the 32X was another add-on, and then they also released, for the people who didn't have the add-on, they then released another like version, and they had a big, it was a massive long cart that was like huge, yep. it had additional mm-hmm. chips in it. So, yeah, yeah. basically it's when Sega was really bonkers, even worse than... <laughs> <laughs> and then they eventually went. Let's just do Dreamcast and have a fishing reel thing. It's just, I don't know. yeah. But yeah, uh, happy times. But yeah, I can definitely see the pedigree there. What you're describing, the stuff you've learnt, and I'm finding a lot of that. People are sort of going back to, well, here's a concept of a game from 30 years ago, but let's bring in all the design sensibilities we now have after all these years and make it into something far yeah. more entertaining. Because that's what it's about, isn't it? With the older games, they're good. But you just get frustrated because the the quality of life stuff that we take for granted just not there. Yep. And it's just like yeah, that's right. Yep. It's just so. Why is it? Why is it so hard? Why is it so annoying? Like because they didn't have the technology or indeed the understanding, the design understanding back then. Fascinating stuff. And yep. uh, people just don't get it. They don't realise that you know you've been as a as a field of game design, you've been honing your craft for the past forty years. Just don't people don't get it. It's like. No, that's what's been going on. That's how it evolves. The craft yep. of creating video games is a craft, believe it or not, and it evolves over time. And we've gone from Pong to, you know, Demon Souls remake. <laughs> For example, <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> so uh, you know, they couldn't really. Apparently, they're they're all they're, they're still video games, but it couldn't be more different, really. Or are they? Anyway, Tom, how did you get your make your start making flashy, lighty video games? So I've I've been in the industry about about twenty years now. Um, I had a, a rather strange start to the industry, and as much as I I call cold called Nintendo of Europe for a job, and um, somehow managed to blag my way an interview, and ended up getting a, a job over in Germany. Um, so um, started out over there, uh, being a massive Nintendo fanboy it was dream dream job for me. Um, then moved over to uh, Sony London to uh, to work in the third party relations department of uh, Sony PlayStation Europe, 
and um, through sort of making you know various sort of contacts with uh, different publishers and developers from working on the first party side, um, I, I ended up getting a job as a um, uh, project manager at Free Radical Design up in uh, Nottingham to uh, to work on the uh, the, the legendary cancelled Battlefront Three um, that was uh, that was in uh, in production. Um, Free Radical um, obviously got then got got bought by uh, by Crytek. Um, so we became Crytek UK, um, and I worked on the uh, the Crisis franchise on uh, Crisis Two, Crisis Three. Uh, moved on from Crytek, went down to Brighton for a for a two year long weekend, um, working at the uh, the Chinese room down there on Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Um, after Chinese room, uh, I started up my own little micro development studio and. Um, through uh, working with my old friends at Sony PlayStation, um, we produced a, a PlayStation VR launch title, which was uh, a, a, a charming little uh, flight game called How We Saw, which uh, we put together ourselves and released uh, in about uh, 18 months. And after that, I moved on to um, Sumo Nottingham, uh, which was uh, run by, uh, um, at that point, uh, an ex-colleague of mine from Free Radical and uh, lots of uh, sort of a mishmash of my old colleagues from Free Radical and... Um, uh, Crytek, and so it was a little bit like coming home. It was uh, it was lovely, and the studio had just been set up recently, so was there relatively early on, and uh, have been part of sort of the build up there for the last three years now. So um, and yeah, just uh, sort of moving up the, um, the the production ranks, and uh, now yeah, studio studio production director. Fantastic, and what a wonderful story! And again, we can definitely see influences there, and everyone's gone to the rapture. One thing I've always said about that game is it never tells you what you are not once does it explain what who are you and what you're doing there and if everybody's gone to the rapture what are you <laughs> and it's, yeah, I mean, yeah well the, yeah i mean the the interesting thing being i mean obviously it's telling a, a very intricately intricately and tightly weaved story yeah but you're you're sort of you know viewing it potentially through uh you know a lens of reality or through uh you know you could be you know part of that uh that sort of you know the narrative of the the basically yeah, yeah. the end of the world and yeah it's uh it's um it's a beautiful experience it is and i, I just uh i just want to thank you for that and and uh just the uh i know there's many people involved but it's just the the sheer sort of audacity to say well who are you i don't know figure it out yourself you could be whatever you wanted it to be and I actually felt that I was actually part of the alien race that caused this thing to happen, or these entities that caused it to happen. And it's like, yeah, that's okay, that's what I'm going to be. Uh, that's, and it worked for me. So, yeah, and uh, you, and the final point you raised, the fact that, you know, you got back together with old colleagues. It's a very small world. Best not to burn that's any it. bridges. In, <laughs> and that's the nature. The UK industry. I mean, we are yeah. we are essentially one, one big family that get to meet for a... a you know, knees up in Brighton every July, and yes, uh, yes. it's uh, yeah. No, it's uh, no, it's it's great to be a part of that. And it's very, and it's very, it's got a long, long history. Thanks to a certain computer with lots of rubber keys, um, we can thank that with, for good or ill. Um, it uh, it did a lot of good, I think, back thirty years ago. And you know, from that, we now eventually had the industry we have now. So we've got a lot to thank for that. So, yeah. So the next question then, and this one is to both of you, and I appreciate the fact you're from two sort of different studios. So I think typically I ask this of you to A, represent yourself, or indeed 
the studio you, you're involved with. Either one works. And it's a bit of a nebulous question, but I think it's an important question to ask creators, which you both are. So, again, it's to Trevor. Um, what do you believe your biggest influences are as a creator? My biggest influences would probably be the games that I grew up with. So, as you mentioned, ZX81, um, Amiga. Yeah. Uh, I got a copy of... Um, uh, Microprose, uh, George Crammon's Grand Prix up there. Yeah, yeah, um, that was, that was, yeah. He was a he was a he was a special crafter of, of video games or simulations, I should say. Yeah. 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 So I, th- I think for for me, it's games that I played and enjoyed back in the day, um, and now with the modern games market, I'm seeing things that people are not really experiencing anymore that I would like to bring back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically that feeling that because the sense of reward of some of those games was phenomenal, wasn't it? Because they were really tough <laughs> to the yeah. point where they weren't balanced properly. I mean, nowadays they would go on yes. lots and lots of you know iterations, but back then they didn't have time or didn't know how to do that. Yeah, uh, and, and you, didn't think... have, you didn't have a forum that you could go on and find out about how to do a level. You had to do it yourself. <laughs> yes, there was no... There was yeah, there was no online forums, no Discord, no nothing. It was just um, just figure it out. And you might have a circle of friends, which is probably the worst thing because you have the little bubble, and then you you, you yeah. play it. You play this game to death to the point where everyone's going, oh, it's a bit easy now. And then you push it out thinking it's like a piece of you know, it's easy as hell. It's not, <laughs> but because you've yep. been at it for eighteen yeah. months or maybe even three months or four months, depending on the age of the game. Uh, you don't realise that actually what you put out there is not an impossible to finish, Ghosts and Goblins. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the the things that shape the games for me now, now that I've got kids and family and stuff like that, mm. is I don't have a lot of time to invest in playing games no. and grind through games and unlock lots of different things. So I think that's why Hot Shots, for me, was an arcade game that you can jump into, play pretty quickly... Um, get a quick matchup race online and stuff, and then jump back out again. You don't have to yep. grind to unlock faster cars, stuff like that. Yeah, it's just, you, it, there are games for that audience, and that's fantastic. Yep, that's right, yep. If you want that, knock yeah. yourself out at four to seven or something. Fine, mm. <laughs> but you yeah. know, if if you if you want something that you dive in, have that exhilarating experience from the outset for ten minutes, and then yep. see to your kids' dinner. <laughs> yeah. Then, or while it's cooking. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> you know you got that dead time. Like, wait, I've got ten minutes of nothing. I know. <laughs> you know yeah. that pressure's. It got so bad now. It's like ten minutes. It's just like <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I can definitely see that. What about you, Tom? What What are the things you think uh, influences you as a creator? I mean, I think for me, I mean, uh, as as you may, you may have picked up from my, my hinting earlier, that I, I being a massive Nintendo fanboy, I mean, mm. for me, what I've always hoped for with all every project that I've been involved in is to be able to feel that element of craftsmanship about what we're doing. And, you know, I'm I feel very sort of privileged in as much as, you know, uh, the vast majority of things I've been involved with, I feel that there are aspects of each of those games that have done something you know really specific and you know that 
having a degree of beauty about it and whether that's you know the cutting edge technology that was involved you know at that time and and to a degree carrying on now with like the crisis series you, you felt like you were part of something special um with rapture as well i mean on numerous levels um you know coming in now in um uh, into sumo being involved i mean like one of the last games we we shipped in the studio was uh, team sonic racing and having that you know that that amazing ip to be involved in and making sure that you know, care and attention to detail was there um so that that for me was you know uh, of course you can't always pick and choose you know all the projects that you you uh, you work on but um you know having that aspect to it and something that you know you can you can highlight as that special source about the game that you're making um and you know again following through into uh, into hotshot racing as well i mean that you know the the beautiful aesthetic and the uh, they're staying true to that homage to the uh, to the uh, the early 90s is that thing you can kind of you know hang your hat on um and again as a as a, a different aspect to you know when i got the chance you know purely to make my own game when uh, when i when i was running a what was called penny black studios and we did our psvr game so nobody was dictating anything for us to make um we just you know had uh, had um, the, the time and the, the money that we had available and we had to make you know uh, hopefully a great game and what we ended up doing was a uh, a narrative experience based on our lives as creators and the pressures that we experience from life and balancing our own home lives with the, the, the need to create and make a game. And that all, you know, be becoming incredibly chaotic and difficult to manage at some time. So I think that what we made with that game was something that was very, very kind of true and real. And, um, you know, there was a, you know, a little bit of all of us who made that game in it. And, um, you know, so, I think that for me is that 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 elements of of craftsmanship of that sort of you know special special source in there and you know where it's been possible for me that element of truth as well. That's wonderful. It's very a pure way to respond to to the, the understanding that yeah Nintendo even well especially back if you play the original NES games um, especially Super Mario and stuff like that it's just, there's all sorts of aspects to that game. Are just incredible. Just like, how did they know how to do that? It's just because they're craftspeople. They actually really honed it. They they were making something. They weren't churning it. It wasn't a churning machine. It was they recognised what they were doing. And yes, Nintendo was and still is. You could argue a toy company. You might balk at that, but at its heart, it always has been that. And that's what it's always been centered around. As a former employee, maybe you could relate to that or agree, hopefully. But that's what I always go back to is that they used to make cards, you know. <laughs> and yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, you've got to understand that that's what they were trying to make. And just, there's nothing wrong with making really amazing toys, you know. <laughs> so what's wrong with that? And, and yeah, to, you, to be influenced by it, and I'm happy that you both responded so well because a lot of developers go, Oh, I don't know. I never really thought about it. And eventually, we get something out and realise that it could be anything from their dog to 2001. That's not uncommon. Um, but you know, it's you know, for the, the mere act of craftsmanship is uh, absolutely there for that one. Thank you. I'll lead on to the uh, to the penultimate question first half, and this one's a little bit difficult to answer, but it's an important one I think because it shows you're not living in a bubble. But uh, Firstly, Trevor, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? 
What developer? Yeah. Um, Who do you point at and go, you, keep on doing the thing you do? Apart <laughs> uh, from yourself, actually, of course. <laughs> yeah, and there, is, there, there, is, there is a chap. Um, I can't actually remember how to pronounce the name properly, but it's the chap who developed the his, uh, Polyphony, who developed the uh, Gran Turismo series. Oh, yes, yes. Well, we can say yeah. Polyphony Studios, that, that's fine, but yeah. Um, so ba- basically, the, the, the reason why, because mm. one of the first games that he created was a game called Motor Tune Grand Prix that was, I believe it was a PS1 game. And it was a very cartoony kind of uh, Mario Kart-esque racing game that not many people played. But it had, underneath it, it had some very good driving physics. Right. And then after that game, they created um, Gran Turismo 1. So yeah. it's um, yeah. it's a journey that I would like to try and um, emulate as well, if possible. Yeah, yeah. Following on from so. Especially now, because the machines you're throwing out now are just ludicrous. Uh, I mean, phenomenally. Pa- I've just recently upgraded my PC, and uh, it yeah, it, you could fit a small family in it. But it's it's still, you know, in comparison to the new machines, it's you know, it can hold its own. But even still, yeah, these these new ones, uh, yeah, there's some. Um, it's both exciting and scary because that kind of resource. It's like, good heavens, how am I supposed to? What am I supposed to do with all this? You know, and but yeah, I think it's really it's the maths you could delve into, physics, isn't it? It's the underlying well, what I'm, replicating that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to make, if possible, to making to be able to make kind of bigger experiences and bigger worlds. Because, for instance, um, say for instance, current racing games right now, many of them are track-based racing games. So everyone's driven around Silverstone about 20 times. Everyone's done Suzuka tracks in all the racing games. But I would like to do a racing game where you are going along the world's greatest roads, for instance. So you can drive an hour along a Swiss road from Italy to Switzerland on one of those mountain roads past lakes and rivers and mountains and tunnels. Yeah. And just do that in an art style similar to Hot Shot Racing. So you don't need the high fidelity because yeah. the, the player will fill in all the gaps yeah. for the blades of grass and things like that. So that's kind of kind of stuff I'm looking forward to doing in the future with new, the new tech. Cool. And not in a truck. The same. Not in a truck. <laughs> Delivering <laughs> soft toys or something. Um, what, what, no, what exactly. about, yeah. I've looked at your truck and seen how popular it is, and it is. I know, yeah, People yeah. love to just sit in a truck and go from point to point, don't they? Yeah, it's weird. It's just like, well, sorry, I did. <laughs> okay. It's, Whatever yeah, rocks your boat. Yeah. Um, yep. what, what about yep. you, Tom? Who do you point at and go, yeah, you you carry on doing the thing that you do? Could be anyone or any, from anywhere. Well, I mean, I think the the thing for me is obviously to give the the the, the unexpected stereotypical answer is going to be what's ch- being churned out of NCL. I mean, the the constant uh, you know surprise that I get with the majority of their content, and I think their approach and uh, and and attitudes to games development, I think is in by and large, you know, what is, uh, you know, uh, providing an awful lot of the, um, you know, the, the surprise that comes through every year, you know, you, you've got at least a couple of gems that are being churned out from them that, you know, are, are unexpected. I mean, I think in terms of when I look back through my, my, my career as well, though, and I was fortunate and unfortunate to, uh, to join the free radical guys basically a year and a half before, Unfortunately, they were they uh, went into administration. But 
growing up in the industry and uh you know seeing what free radical produced from the very first time splitters games you know through later to things like second sight i admired those guys so much for what you know the sort of the boldness of their approach and uh you know having got to know them and know a lot of the people there and even though they're you know spread out into different companies you still you know i still sort of feel that sort of entrepreneurial um attitude from from a lot of my my ex-colleagues there and you know when i was i was working at you know nintendo sony first party and i moved back from germany i thought to myself i would love to go and work at that company and it felt like a fantasy at that time and eventually i was able to and to be amongst those people i mean the steve ellis's dave dokes um carl hilton's you know it was it was amazing to see you know a company that was was full of these these creative people who you know moved in a uh, in a at a time when they were just putting together cool stuff it was just they had great ideas and their attitude was let's put it in the game let's do it and um you know obviously the scale of production now and you know a lot of these sort of you know huge monolith games that are you know uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people you know it's they they're being run like clockwork and they're they're the operations are just you know unfathomable but you know these smaller companies who are able to react much more quickly and try out new and fresh ideas um you know that's 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 what i you know i really admire and and look forward to seeing across across many studios at the moment yeah that uh I think the the word that keeps on, or the phrase, concept, I'm speaking to mind when you're describing all of this, is people who are te- willing to take measured risks. Sounds a bit strange, almost uh, con- contradictory, but people are willing to understand that, yes, there's a risk involved and it could fall heavily on its feet, but uh, otherwise it could be really, really, really successful. Uh, but the only way to innovate and in a way to progress is actually to to actually bite the bullet and take that risk and, and step forward and go let's give it a shot what's the worst that could happen <laughs> and I, <laughs> I mean that's 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 what we're all as as, as game creators aspiring yeah. to i mean it's uh it's uh, you know the the bigger well i uh, I guess having worked in a, in a micro studio and all the way up to, you know, a rather, rather large organizations, I mean, the, you know, you've got risks, you know, business and financial risks that, that, you know, are going to influence your decision making. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think anytime you can get uh, into a position where you can take, as you say, a, a like a, a calculated measured risk and try and push something forward. I mean, I think you've got to, you've got to try and grab that with both hands, but yeah. It's it's a difficult balancing act, you know, when uh, when you're trying to um, you know create something that is going to be also sustainable and uh, you know is going to be uh, financially viable and that you're going to be able to see through to the to the end and and get it out. So yeah, yeah it's that that you know balancing act that uh, that as you know as creators and uh, you know management and leaders we're we're having to juggle quite uh, quite you know in equal measure. Yeah, that's especially part, that's part of the reason why it's taken um, so long for me to get Hotshot Racing from Racing Apex from the original idea. I started the project in 2010, and I was self-funding the game. So all the freelance work I was doing for Sony and other companies, 
I'd then pay that to programmers. So then uh, money was coming in, going to programmers, and that's how the development rolled on, on and off yeah. as a Saturday project for like 10 years. Wow. And then as yeah. probably another thing is the technology bar was moving as you were doing it. Oh, oh, yeah. What's happening? Yeah. Well, the 360, oh, wait, it's gone? Yeah, it's gone now. It's, it's, it's now been replaced by something else. <laughs> wait, that's a PC, pretty much. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> What Sony's done yeah. that as well? Yeah, yeah. So, come on, just so. I think we started on we started on Unity two point six. I think back in wow. the day. Wow. Now look at so, it. Yeah. <laughs> this is three D game. Anyway. Yeah. True. Uh, so speaking of games and playing, uh, this is a podcast about video games. So therefore, I have to ask this of both of you. And Trevor, what are you playing right now? What am I playing right now? Anything distracting you for the moment? I am playing Breath of the Wild with my two boys, actually. Nice. Quite a lot. Nice. Yep. Magnificent game. Yep. Gives because I don't you put in. Play because because I, obviously I can't invest the time into it. I sit behind those guys and I let them play it. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. Hints or do, do the difficult parts, basically. Nice, nice, yeah. And it's just wonderful how... You look at the environment and go, well, I could go charging in. Well, what about that boulder over there? <laughs> and it's just yep. genius, genius. Like, well, yeah, well, it's just a boulder. No, it's not. I mean, what? Hit it. Well, yeah, I can, can I? I could just, and I could just, yeah, just take them all out in one. Yeah, you could. All right, let's do that then. That's a very it, basic example. There's many, many different things you can do. But for me, when I first did that, I just put the controller down and went, just, that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is this? What am I experiencing? This is this is a work of art. This is all games are work of art. Sorry, apologies, but this one is freaking masterpiece. It's just like mm. and, and then yeah. the, the kids the kids play in different ways as well. Like the youngest one, he's about four. Yeah, and he will go around collecting things to cook <laughs> and to, and to make dubious food and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and big like things. Whereas the other one will that go game for him. It's just, it's a, a a cooking simulator now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so that's how he will play it. And then the old, the older one, he will probably he'll go around and do all the quests and things mm. like that. So it's really good to see how different age groups can get different things from the same game. Yeah, yeah, excellent. What about you, Tom? What's distracting you from what you should be doing? <laughs> well, I've, I've finally now with uh, you know, uh, if 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 I can if I can class it as a as a benefit in in these lockdown times been able to start delving through game pass a little bit more so uh i've actually just jumped into monster hunter world recently and just started right. going through the early the early throws of that i was uh played a lot of it on my uh on my 3ds and um uh on on the switch but that, they were more sort of old school monster hunter titles so i was just really interested to see you know obviously it's been out been out a while been like two years and no how I think two, two, three years now. Can't three remember. years now, I think. But three the expansion years. kind of confuses people because that was only last year. But, yeah. yeah. So uh, I was just really interested to see what they'd done to uh, to sort of you know uh, ease the uh, players in to uh, to the game and um, you know see what has sort of tutorialized the beginning and uh, yeah it's a uh, yeah, lovely game really really nice. Yeah, uh, when I think of Monster Hunter again, more cooking. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I've, I've been playing it since PS2 days. Like I said, I'm old, uh, and uh, it's one of the earliest online games on the PS2. And uh, yeah, that was an eye opener. Just uh, 
you know group, grouping on a on a monster with other players. It's incredible, and uh, yeah, it's still still got long lasting appeal. Although there are people people going, what about a poor monster? It's just a mon. Let it go. It's a video game. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, what about a po- yeah? I know we got cats. Okay, you got cats. It's fine. <laughs> right. Well, enough of that. Let's move on to the second half of the show where we delve deep into hotshot racing. First question is a really question. It's a request because we can't delve deep into the game until we know what it is. So, in your own words, gentlemen, what is hot shot racing? Do you want to go first? Tom will flag go first. <laughs> you go. You go first, Fred. Go for it. Uh, well, hot shot racing is a retro-styled racer in a um, with a modern core. I would say so. Modern physics, multiplayer. Um, split screen for couch co-op all those things that you would expect in a modern racing game but with the aesthetics and the sound of the 90s yeah although minus the jarring bits because when you look at stuff from the 90s you go (laughs) some of the stuff you just go what's with that pink just yeah it's not, yeah. uh, no, it doesn't work. Yeah, it just, yes, yes. Yeah. So we, we avoided that 90s retro futury stuff that lots of yeah, people yeah. have been with neons and like sunsets and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. we kind of avoided that and went for the the Daytonery color palette, the virtual style um, vertex colored polygons and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of. You kind of got the blue sky, but that's that's wrong. That's too, that's too sim- sim- simplified. There is blue sky there, but there's other skies and other. It's basically uh, an absolute cacophony of colours, but not to the point where it becomes overwhelming. And uh, mm. that's quite it's quite impressive how you pulled that off. I'm not sure, uh, and we'll talk about that presently. But uh, yeah, okay, 
I think, yeah, uh, that's the best way to summarise it, and that's why I've tried to summarise it to people. And uh, a lot of people, they go, and most, what I describe it to people, and they go, well, can I have a look? So here's a video. And they immediately sold on the game within seconds. They go, oh, it's like this. It's like, it's, and they start firing off all these names of games that you and I know and love, right? You know, I yep. mentioned Lotus 2 earlier in the virtual green room and stuff like that. And, and then, then they see, you know, or they might, they might mention Outrun or they might mention other arcade races that we know and love. And like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. Only it's more like this and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's good. It really sells itself. When you see it moving, that's really important. You've got to see hot shot racing moving. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, and frame rate was a key, ash- uh, key aspect for that, getting 60 yeah. frames per second, yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention that's the other modern thing. 60 frames per second is a, yeah, it's butter smooth, lovely, lovely to see. So, first design question then. Again, either of you could answer this. It depends what, you know, aspects of it. But I just want to ask you about the viewing angle. So the viewing angle when of, of the car, or whether no matter what it, whatever view you take... It, it seems to be making the road really like the prominent aspect of the view rather than everything else. Was this deliberate? Was this really to make sure that the player understood what they're supposed to be doing? And Can you talk us through that sort of logic or thinking? So working with the guys at Sumo, that was an aspect that was focused on. Um, camera angle, what the player would see, um, and the way the field of view changes as you boost and stuff like that, that was all very important because that's very reminiscent of the burnout games and the split second games. Um, in in those games, you would you'd have uh, when you boost a, a bigger field of view. Um, yeah, so that that is something that the team at Sumo had a lot of experience on working on Team Sonic games beforehand. Yeah, so I mean the. I mean, I guess how how the the collaboration with uh, with with Trevor and us uh, came about was uh, obviously he had been working on this uh, this this fantastic uh, concept that uh, when uh, he and the the guys at Curve Digital uh, put it in front of us, we were just like, yeah, this is something that you know we all were were, were desperate to get on board with and uh, and work on. And the thing for us is, as Trevor also mentioned earlier, the 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 version that he'd been working up was um, was done in Unity. And at the point when we came on board, uh, we had sort of a, a, a sort of a, uh, a critical decision to make that with the time frame that we were all looking to work with to, to get the game done, we still had an awful lot of sort of, uh, features to be able to implement in order to get the variety of cars and have all the, the handling in there and the physics. And we thought, well, we can continue building in Unity. Or we can look to uh, port the game to the Sumo engine that we have shipped, as, as Trev mentioned, multiple um, Sonic the Hedgehog racing, Sonic and Sega racing games. Um, and that technology has uh, has got its roots all the way, parts of it, maybe slightly tenuously, but all the way back to um, Outrun 2 that we did when um, when Sumo first, uh, first started up. So this is technology, you know, the studio was sort of founded on racing games and this technology is something that we've iterated on over years. And, um, so we, when we came on board with, uh, with hot shots, we, we decided we were going to basically take the game and rebuild it in our engine. And the, what we, what we've got there is a lot of bespoke control and, um, tools 
that um, are built for racing games. So that allowed us, you know, uh, from you know the physics to the handling to the the camera, you know, absolute sort of you know precision control over all of this. And uh, so while it was um, it was then a bit of a, a slow start to begin with to get all of that content in and and get going again. Once we were there, we had so much you know uh, control and the ability to fine tune that uh, you know that was that was clearly the the, the right decision long term. Um, so yeah, that was uh, you know while you know where you were trying to recreate that you know nineties um, racing experience, there was actually an awful lot of the sort of more modern technology being employed there to um, to make it as, as smooth and exciting experience as possible. Yeah, this really struck me is that how you put the track centre stage. Be surprised that that doesn't really always happen, at least with arcade races. But it's oh, no, no. Yes, there's some some stuff going on, but really, keep the car on the road, damn it! <laughs> and this basically, you really offer the the the, the road up to the player. Go, here it is. Good luck. And uh, it's really yep. clever. And it's just that you probably didn't. Maybe, hopefully, you did consciously do this. That's what you're focusing on. Like, it's the road. It's, it's you know, it's the road, damn it. So well, um, it's also. I mean, it's the, it's the road, and it's but it's also that field of view is also allowing you the best possible, uh, you know, uh, perspective of all the other cars around you. I mean, yes, as yes. much as you know, Hot Shots is a is a racing game. I think in terms of how you play it, you know, you've got very very close proximity to other players, and you know, there's particularly in a lot of the other, you know, the extra game modes, it's as much a combative game in some respects as it is a racing game. And if your, you know, if your view is just pointing you at the horizon as opposed to what's going on in the here and now around you, yeah, it's, uh, you know, that was really important that we got that sort of, you know, uh, that that view and that feeling of sort of intimacy with the other cars around that you were going to be interacting with. Yeah. So I want to talk about drifting now. And again, you just maybe hinted at this because it's a legacy from a certain game from 2006, uh, which yes, it's that long ago. Uh, the cost of drifting, I mean cost. In speed, is 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 significant. I mean, I mean, yes, you get around the corner and you're you're boosting up, you're you're building up your boost, your ability to actually go flying off at thousand miles an hour. But how did you find balancing this this risk to the player? Like, yeah, you can drift around a corner, cool, but you are going to go around that slower. Um, at least that's what I've found generally in most of the tracks. But it is very rewarding. So, how have you found balancing this experience of? Yes, you know, you encourage that action and encourage the drifting around corners, and absolutely. However, you've got to understand that you will lose some speed as a result. Yeah, that that was down to a lot of fine-tuning work by the designers at uh, Sumo. Because um, we've got four different handling types. You've got balanced, you've got speed, you've got acceleration, and you've got drifting. So it also had to be balanced across all of those cars as well, so that not one of them felt really terrible that no one would use it. Um, so yeah, it was just basically a lot of fine tuning on that side of things. And actually, now that you've mentioned it, there are players are fine players are finding on the time trials that they can actually take the slower drift cars and go quicker because they can end up snaking and keeping the drift going for longer. So th- there's some crazy time trial times being set at the moment. Yeah, it's called the America effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so nothing wrong hey one of the best races ever made so yeah don't, don't think <laughs> they take it as a compliment my friend uh, but uh yeah I, I, I suspected that was the case because it's really well done it's 
definitely honed. And it definitely mm. feels that, should I? I mean, the amount of times I approach a corner like, right, is this a good one or is it just, or I just hammer it? You know, you don't know. Sometimes you, sometimes you get that very gentle curve and you're like, yep. it's just no point. There's not going to get anything from this. Just, just hammer around it. You'll be fine. You won't go squirreling off. You'll be fine. But, but then, then you get those. After you've done that one lap, you'll know for the next time, don't you? You can't play a yeah. little memory of what they can do on what corners and stuff, which is yeah. what we wanted as well. Yeah. Attacking corners. That is a phrase that people use. A little bit odd, <laughs> but, you know, F1 loves using that phrase, that phraseology, all that sort of combative words. And it's a bit odd, yep. but it is true. You do fast, you know, slow in, fast out. It's true. Yep. You've got it in your head. You know, yeah. it's just like FPSs. You, you point. Is there anything underneath your crosshair? Yeah. No, then don't shoot. Okay. <laughs> just, <laughs> just wait till something's in this crosshair. Okay, then they'll shoot. Okay. And similarly with racing games. It's in my head, but do I can execute it? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to talk about what's going on outside the track. And I think maybe both yourselves and, and, and Tom can chip in on this one. But there's a lot going on. A lot going on besides on either side of the track, and even to the point where some of the drivers keep on saying, "You know, keep your eyes on the road." They advise you, like, just stick your eyes on the road. Yes, I know there's a T-Rex there. Get that? <laughs> Could you just focus on the road? Um, how has it been designing all these spectacles and the, the things on the side of the road when uh, when when creating the tracks for hot shot racing? Well, I mean, I think you know, as as Trev mentioned, you know, we're we're hitting we're hitting sixty frames uh, per second on the game, and uh, yeah, I mean, to get that amount of content in the uh, uh, in the in the backgrounds and maintain that frame rate was a was a was a was a delicate balancing act. But I think that was the place where we thought we could really, you know, go to town and you know bring out the character of each of the the zones that we were developing, um, and you know, and that's that's where the game. I think that's where the game sort of you know, uh, is quite deceptive because obviously we're using a low poly style and, um, you know, the, the basic geometry of all of the assets looks fairly simple, but we've got a lot of it in there and it gives the world a lot of life and there's movement. I mean, you know, you're, you're racing around the tracks you've got, you've got Ferris wheels and, uh, you know, all sorts, you know, um, in view and it's just, you know, obviously we we're basing it on the these old arcade racing games but obviously you know because of technology constraints they you know the tracks were that what they were they, they, you couldn't pack them with a lot of a uh, lot of movement and um you know a great number of assets because you you're focused on trying to maintain your frame rate for the uh, for the driving experience but yeah this was this was one of the ways that we felt that we could do uh, you know sort of early 90s plus if if if, uh, if you uh, if you you know, uh, look at all of the stuff that was was added to the uh, the backgrounds. If you plucked a developer from 1992 and okay, here's a computer from 2019, off you pop. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, same game, but just with all these resources and this technology and this memory. There you go, off you, in the, you go. In, on, flip, on the flip side, though, if you show somebody this game, they're like, oh yeah, that's how games used to look. That, I remember those games, but they, they look nothing like this. <laughs> but it's that, that's the trick, be... though. You know, with, with lots of remakes as well now, HD remakes and stuff, yep. you look at them yeah. and you're like, you know, that, oh, that's how I remember it, but it, was, no, it wasn't at no. all. I, it's yeah, like when that... people say, like, oh, that game looks 16-bit. It's like, no, that's no, not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Trevor, you are going to say? Well, yeah, that's that's what lots of people have been commenting. Lots of people, um, when they comment on a game on social media and stuff, they say, 
oh, it reminds me of Daytona or it reminds me of Radmobile or things like that. Mm. And obviously it looks very different, but it brings back the memories that people had of playing the games then. So, and then also on the technical side, we also stuck to the, um, we use hardly any textures. So it's all vertex colors, like virtual racing used to be like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that had a Ferris wheel in it as well. I think it, did. it did. Yeah. Yeah, it did, yeah. It did in the first track, and that was based on the Ferris wheel that's in Suzuka, the, the nice. grass track in Suzuka. Nice. Okay. So there's a nice little homage there, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Ferris wheel, there you go. Yeah. Last thing, and uh, we've mentioned frames per second, but there's something else really fascinating about hot shot racing, at least I've found anyway, is the sense of speed. A lot of racing games, certainly these days, can find yourself you accelerating to the point where I'm going, I'm bombing along, and then a corner just appears, just like in your face. And like, oh, what am I supposed to do now? Like, and then you, you slam on the brakes too late, and you do all the wrong things you should never do, i.e. slam on the brakes, lock the wheels up, and off you go. We've all done it, right? Overcooked the corner. I've never done that in hot shot racing. You've somehow said, you've given a sense of speed, but not to overwhelm the player. How did you do that? How have you found design? It was just, uh, is it something you've always known about? Is it something you aimed for? Can you talk us through that? Well, I can explain a little bit about the way the tracks were designed. The tracks were designed mm-hmm. in a similar way that we did in Burnout. So in, in Burnout, you'd have a large area and you'd have a number of road routes that you can configure into a, a track configuration. So we did a similar thing. That's why we've got four main zones, mountain, jungle, etc., and stuff with these track configurations in there. And all the track configurations were built to flow, so you would always be on the right side of the track for the coming apex, so that you would you would never find. Hopefully, a player would never find themselves on the wrong side of the corner to take the coming to take the coming coming hairpin or something like that. So um, from that sense, the, the tracks were designed to flow very nicely right. Right. for the player, and then with the sense of speed, that's what the the guys from Sumo brought together with the um with their engine tech and their experience of the other racing games. Tom, was that is that is that sort of like what you aimed for? You I mean this is what I perceived anyway. I just didn't feel that the game was unfair. It wasn't throwing in things that I couldn't possibly deal with, like certain rally games sometimes do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean uh, you know, I think one of the one of the, the the great things about the development that we had was this uh, you know this, this sort of ongoing uh, you know, partnership with Trev and the the development team and we just spent a heck of a lot of time just playtesting the thing. Okay. I mean it was it was a, just a, a process of constant iteration on it. I mean from once we got the game up and running in the engine and were able to start distributing builds, you know uh, you know to uh, to Trev and start you know getting his feedback within there and um, you know, getting him together with the, um, you know, basically the team that worked on uh, on Team Sonic Racing were able to roll forward onto onto this project. So, you know, we had an awful lot of experience within there, and um, yeah, it was uh, it was just a great great process to uh, to be part of, and uh, you know, just be constantly honing this all the way up to the point when we uh, we finally got it out the door. And you did indeed, for it is out now, Hot Shot Racing. Um, developed by uh, Lucky Mountain Games and uh, Sumo Digital. Uh, where did you get your relative names of your studios, by the way? Because it's a question we love to ask on this show because we get some really interesting answers to that. 
<laughs> so on Lucky, for Lucky Mountain, yeah, uh, the logo is based on Mount Fuji. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Lucky Mountain was just something a phrase that I came up with, and I like the the image of the, the mountain as a as a, a logo, a bit like what they used to do um, for. Was it what's the movie company that's got the mountain as a logo? Is it Paramount? Paramount. Paramount yeah. Yes, yeah, so you know yeah. how they used to incorporate it into films, like in the beginning of Indiana Jones, you'd see it on a gong. Yeah. yeah. And it would blend in. So I like the the imagery of the of the Mount Fuji. So that's where Lucky Mountain came from. Nice. Sierra used to do that as well, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Oh, I miss them. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what about Sumo? Do you know where that comes from, Tom? Or well, I mean, the uh, the company was was yeah founded um, oh a long time ago now, and it was it was originally conceived as um, you know uh, the idea of a, a a big a big strong skillful uh, oh, entity. Right. I mean, the original <laughs> logo was actually a a, a sumo wrestler. Now, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's um, you know fallen away. We we've got it. We've got a new logo now, but that was sort of yeah. front and center yeah. previously. So that was the uh, the uh, the feeling that the um, the studio directors wanted to convey about the company. Yeah. Successful. You've got, got a name. Yeah, go on. Uh, go. Just to Tom Penny Black. Where did that name come from? Yeah, that was a a, a, a late night. Um, a brainstorming session that it got to about three in the morning and we had a number of possible ideas but the idea was to uh, because the studio was going to be focused on VR games we wanted something that conveyed the idea of a a new way of communicating ideas and uh, the Penny Black was the first ever postage stamp that uh, enabled um, you know uh, mass, uh, mass postage and communication to be possible so, it's why Great Britain doesn't have its name of its country on the stamp because we're the ones that invented them. See, we're still Darn arrogant right. with, even with our stamps. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, and now rather than me getting in trouble with the platforms, either of you, do you want to list the platforms that Hotshot Racing is available on, please? Um, it is on um, Xbox, uh, X, well, all, well, I guess I guess by virtue of backwards compatibility, all Xboxes and yeah. uh, but um, I mean it was you know uh, obviously it's released right now. It's out there for uh, for, for current gen Xbox, uh, PlayStation yep. Four, Switch, and PC. But um, yeah. yes, it, we're assuming it'll be uh, it should be all all fine to work on next gen consoles via backwards compatibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very strange times we live in. I never thought I'd see the day. Well. PS2 did it, didn't it? But let's not go there. It's on Game Pass as well for free at the moment. Oh, nice. Well, for a limited time and then everyone will go buy it. That's what I recommend. But yeah. <laughs> so, so, people think, oh, it's for free. Only for a limited time. There's been so many games. I've found like, what, it's going? It's got. Oh, damn it. I'm going to have to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's good stuff. Well, uh, Trevor and Tom's been fantastic having you on the show really has. Thanks. We've been wonderful guests and uh, more than welcome to come back. We've had a lot of return guests because the show's been going on for a long time. Um, and uh, so whatever else you're working on, you're welcome to come back and chat about it. That'd and be until great. Then, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thank, you. thank you. But until then, thanks very much. No problem.
You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com.